BCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we do thank you for joining us today here on Crosstalk on the VCY American Network as a nation transfers power from 45 to 46. Uh, more on that here in just a moment. First of all, a special heads up to uh, listeners in the state of Wisconsin. We have numerous outlets in Wisconsin that pick up this broadcast, and that is to alert you to a public hearing that is happening at uh, the state capitol in Wisconsin tomorrow, Madison, Wisconsin, dealing with COVID-related issues. There is Senate Bill 4 that would prohibit certain state and local officials from mandating the COVID-19 vaccine forbidding officials from mandating the COVID-19 vaccine. Senate Bill 5 would prohibit employers from mandating the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Senate Bill 6 deals with limiting the power, uh, amount of time that a a public school can close down in-person instruction. And Senate Bill 7 prohibits local health officers from closing or prohibiting gatherings in places of worship. Stop the closing of churches. These four bills uh, introduced into the Madison legislature have a public hearing that will be taking place at noon Thursday. That is tomorrow, noon Thursday at the uh, Room 14 North, I'm sorry, 417 North at the state capitol. Uh, that is uh, taking place at noon tomorrow, Thursday, January 21st. Uh, you can contact your legislators with your uh, information, your contact on these pieces of legislation at 800 362 9472. That's a legislative hotline, 800 362 9472. If you have questions about these pieces of legislation, reach out to Wisconsin Family Council at 1888 378 7395. Again, that's a heads up to those of you in the state of Wisconsin, a public hearing at noon tomorrow. Well, today, a nation has transferred power from President to number 45, Donald J. Trump, to number 46. That would be Joe Biden. As we know, National Guard troops were heavy in Washington. Some were yanked from duty, some 12 individuals for inappropriate comments or text. But uh, even before we get to events of today, last uh, yesterday, President Trump offered Americans a message of hope for the future in a farewell address just hours before he was slated to hand the keys over to the Oval Office to Joe Biden. Let's listen in to what the president had to say yesterday in this farewell address. My fellow Americans, four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you truly proud of what we have achieved together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. We extend our best wishes, and we also want them to have luck, a very important word. I'd like to begin by thanking just a few of the amazing people who made our remarkable journey possible. First, let me express my overwhelming gratitude for the love and support of our spectacular First Lady, Melania. Let me also share my deepest appreciation to my daughter, Ivanka, my son-in-law, Jared, and to Baron Don, Eric, Tiffany, and Lara. You fill my world with light and with joy. I also want to thank Vice President Mike Pence, his wonderful wife, Karen, and the entire Pence family. Thank you as well to my Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, the dedicated members of the White House staff, and the Cabinet and all of the incredible people across our administration who poured out their heart and soul to fight for America. I also want to take a moment to thank a truly exceptional group of people, the United States Secret Service. My family and I will forever be in your debt. My profound gratitude as well to everyone in the White House military office, 
the teams of Marine One and Air Force One, every member of the armed forces, and state and local law enforcement all across our country. Most of all, I want to thank the American people. To serve as your president has been an honor beyond description. Thank you for this extraordinary privilege. And that's what it is, a great privilege and a great honor. We must never forget that while Americans will always have our disagreements, we are a nation of incredible, decent, faithful, and peace-loving citizens who all want our country to thrive and flourish and be very, very successful and good. We are a truly magnificent nation. All Americans were horrified by the assault on our capital. Political violence is an attack on everything we cherish as Americans. It can never be tolerated. Now more than ever, we must unify around our shared values and rise above the partisan rancor and forge our common destiny. Four years ago, I came to Washington as the only true outsider ever to win the presidency. I had not spent my career as a politician, but as a builder looking at open skylines and imagining infinite possibilities. I ran for president because I knew there were towering new summits for America just waiting to be scaled. I knew the potential for our nation was boundless as long as we put America first. So I left behind my former life and stepped into a very difficult arena, but an arena nevertheless with all sorts of potential, if properly done. America had given me so much, and I wanted to give something back. Together with millions of hardworking patriots across this land, we built the greatest political movement in the history of our country. We also built the greatest economy in the history of the world. It was about America first because we all wanted to make America great again. We restored the principle that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Our agenda was not about right or left. It wasn't about Republican or Democrat, but about the good of a nation. And that means the whole nation. With the support and prayers of the American people, we achieved more than anyone thought possible. Nobody thought we could even come close. We passed the largest package of tax cuts and reforms in American history. We slashed more job-killing regulations than any administration had ever done before. We fixed our broken trade deals, withdrew from the horrible Trans-Pacific Partnership and the impossible Paris Climate Accord, renegotiated the one-sided South Korea deal, and we replaced NAFTA with the groundbreaking USMCA. That's Mexico and Canada, a deal that's worked out very, very well. Also, and very importantly, we imposed historic and monumental tariffs on China, made a great new deal with China. But before the ink was even dry, we and the whole world got hit with the China virus. Our trade relationship was rapidly changing. Billions and billions of dollars were pouring into the U.S., but the virus forced us to go in a different direction. The whole world suffered, but America outperformed other countries economically because of our incredible economy and the economy that we built. Without the foundations and footings, it wouldn't have worked out this way we wouldn't have some of the best numbers we've ever had. We also unlocked our energy resources and became the world's number one producer of oil and natural gas, by far. Powered by these policies, we built the greatest economy in the history of the world. We reignited America's job creation and achieved record low unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women, almost everyone. Income soared, wages boomed, the American dream was restored, and millions were lifted from poverty in just a few short years. It was a miracle. Stock market set one record after another, with 148 stock market highs during this short period of time, and boosted the retirements and pensions of hardworking citizens all across our nation. 401ks are at a level they've never been at before. We've never seen numbers like we've seen 
and that's before the pandemic and after the pandemic. We rebuilt the American manufacturing base, opened up thousands of new factories, and brought back the beautiful phrase, made in the USA. To make life better for working families, we doubled the child tax credit and signed the largest ever expansion of funding for child care and development. We joined with the private sector to secure commitments to train more than 16 million American workers for the jobs of tomorrow. When our nation was hit with the terrible pandemic, we produced not one, but two vaccines with record-breaking speed, and more will quickly follow. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. They called it a medical miracle, and that's what they're calling it right now, a medical miracle. Another administration would have taken three, four, five, maybe even up to 10 years to develop a vaccine. We did it in nine months. We grieve for every life lost, and we pledge in their memory to wipe out this horrible pandemic once and for all. When the virus took its brutal toll on the world's economy, we launched the fastest economic recovery our country has ever seen. We passed nearly $4 trillion in economic relief, saved or supported over 50 million jobs, and slashed the unemployment rate in half. These are numbers that our country has never seen before. We created choice and transparency in healthcare, stood up to Big Pharma in so many ways, but especially in our effort to get favored nations clauses added, which will give us the lowest prescription drug prices anywhere in the world. We passed VA choice, VA accountability, right to try, and landmark criminal justice reform. We confirmed three new justices of the United States Supreme Court. We appointed nearly 300 federal judges to interpret our Constitution as written. For years, the American people pleaded with Washington to finally secure the nation's borders. I am pleased to say we answered that plea and achieved the most secure border in U.S. history. We have given our brave border agents and heroic ICE officers the tools they need to do their jobs better than they have ever done before and to enforce our laws and keep America safe. We proudly leave the next administration with the strongest and most robust border security measures ever put into place. This includes historic agreements with Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, along with more than 450 miles of powerful new wall. We restored American strength at home and American leadership abroad. The world respects us again. Please don't lose that respect. President Donald Trump, uh, now former President Donald Trump, speaking yesterday, uh, giving his farewell address. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and just share a few more minutes of that. You'll be hearing the oath of office taken this morning as well uh, by uh, Kamala Harris uh, taking the oath to be vice president, Joe Biden taking the oath to be president, and uh, some other information coming forth as well. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY America Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, Noah's Ark Explorer from the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, where did Noah build the ark? Chris, we simply don't know where Noah lived nor where he built his boat. This is because the flood of Noah's day totally restructured the surface of the earth. There are no geographical remnants of that pre-flood world. Everything about that world is totally gone. Now, it is true that two of the four rivers named before the flood are the same names as today's rivers. But I suspect that Noah named these rivers like he did because they reminded him of the previous rivers. They couldn't have been the same because beneath these rivers are tens of thousands of feet of flood-deposited strata. They simply didn't exist before the flood. At least that's how I see it from a Back to Genesis perspective. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Visit our web store at icr.org store and use the promo code FACT at the checkout when ordering your That's a Fact DVD.
You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. A nation transfers power today from 45 to 46. We're taking you back to last uh, yesterday and uh, hearing the uh, farewell address given by uh, then-President Donald Trump. We reclaimed our sovereignty by standing up for America at the United Nations and withdrawing from the one-sided global deals that never served our interests. And NATO countries are now paying hundreds of billions of dollars more than when I arrived just a few years ago. It was very unfair. We were paying the cost for the world. Now the world is helping us. And perhaps most importantly of all, with nearly $3 trillion, we fully rebuilt the American military, all made in the USA. We launched the first new branch of the United States Armed Forces in 75 years, the Space Force. And last spring, I stood at Kennedy Space Center in Florida and watched as American astronauts returned to space on American rockets for the first time in many, many years. We revitalized our alliances and rallied the nations of the world to stand up to China like never before. We obliterated the ISIS caliphate and ended the wretched life of its founder and leader, al-Baghdadi. We stood up to the oppressive Iranian regime and killed the world's top terrorist, Iranian butcher Qasem Soleimani. We recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. As a result of our bold diplomacy and principled realism, we achieved a series of historic peace deals in the Middle East. Nobody believed it could happen. The Abraham Accords opened the doors to a future of peace and harmony, not violence and bloodshed. It is the dawn of a new Middle East, and we are bringing our soldiers home. I am especially proud to be the first president in decades who has started no new wars. Above all, we have reasserted the sacred idea that in America, the government answers to the people. Our guiding light, our North Star, our unwavering conviction has been that we are here to serve the noble, everyday citizens of America. Our allegiance is not to the special interests, corporations, or global entities. It's to our children, our citizens, and to our nation itself. As President, my top priority, my constant concern, has always been the best interests of American workers and American families. I did not seek the easiest course. By far, it was actually the most difficult. I did not seek the path that would get the least criticism. I took on the tough battles, the hardest fights, the most difficult choices, because that's what you elected me to do. Your needs were my first and last unyielding focus. This, I hope, will be our greatest legacy. Together, we put the American people back in charge of our country. We restored self-government. We restored the idea that in America, no one is forgotten because everyone matters and everyone has a voice. We fought for the principle that every citizen is entitled to equal dignity, equal treatment, and equal rights because we are all made equal by God. Everyone is entitled to be treated with respect, to have their voice heard, and to have their government listen. You are loyal to your country, and my administration was always loyal to you. We worked to build a country in which every citizen could find a great job and support their wonderful families. We fought for the communities where every American could be safe and schools where every child could learn. We promoted a culture where our laws would be upheld, our heroes honored, our history preserved, and law-abiding citizens are never taken for granted. Americans should take tremendous satisfaction in all that we have achieved together. It's incredible. Now, as I leave the White House, I have been reflecting on the dangers that threaten the priceless inheritance we all share. As the world's most powerful nation, America faces constant threats and challenges from abroad. But the greatest danger we face is a loss of confidence in ourselves, a loss of confidence in our national greatness. A nation is only as strong as its spirit. We are only as dynamic as our pride. We are only as vibrant as the faith that beats in the hearts of our people. 
No nation can long thrive that loses faith in its own values, history, and heroes, for these are the very sources of our unity and our vitality. What has always allowed America to prevail and triumph over the great challenges of the past has been an unyielding and unashamed conviction in the nobility of our country and its unique purpose in history. We must never lose this conviction. We must never forsake our belief in America. The key to national greatness lies in sustaining and instilling our shared national identity. That means focusing on what we have in common, the heritage that we all share. At the center of this heritage is also a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America. It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions. In America, we don't insist on absolute conformity or enforce rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes. We just don't do that. America is not a timid nation of tame souls who need to be sheltered and protected from those with whom we disagree. That's not who we are. It will never be who we are. For nearly 250 years, in the face of every challenge, Americans have always summoned our unmatched courage, confidence, and fierce independence. These are the miraculous traits that once led millions of everyday citizens to set out across a wild continent and carve out a new life in the Great West. It was the same profound love of our God-given freedom that willed our soldiers into battle and our astronauts into space. As I think back on the past four years, one image rises in my mind above all others. Whenever I traveled all along the motorcade route, there were thousands and thousands of people. They came out with their families so that they could stand as we passed and proudly wave our great American flag. It never failed to deeply move me. I knew that they did not just come out to show their support of me. They came out to show me their support and love for our country. This is a republic of proud citizens who are united by our common conviction that America is the greatest nation in all of history. We are and must always be a land of hope, of light, and of glory to all the world. This is the precious inheritance that we must safeguard at every single turn. For the past four years, I have worked to do just that. From a great hall of Muslim leaders in Riyadh to a great square of Polish people in Warsaw, from the floor of the Korean Assembly to the podium at the United Nations General Assembly, and from the Forbidden City in Beijing to the shadow of Mount Rushmore, I fought for you, I fought for your family, I fought for our country. Above all, I fought for America and all it stands for. And that is safe, strong, proud, and free. Now, as I prepare to hand power over to a new administration at noon on Wednesday, I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. There's never been anything like it. The belief that a nation must serve its citizens will not dwindle, but instead only grow stronger by the day. As long as the American people hold in their hearts deep and devoted love of country, then there is nothing that this nation cannot achieve. Our communities will flourish. Our people will be prosperous. Our traditions will be cherished. Our faith will be strong. And our future will be brighter than ever before. I go from this majestic place with a loyal and joyful heart, an optimistic spirit, and a supreme confidence that for our country and for our children, the best is yet to come. Thank you and farewell. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Donald Trump is President uh, 45 giving his farewell address yesterday in that uh, address. 
Uh, they also, uh, and we'll have some comments here about this morning as well, but as we told you, uh, the National Guard troops were there. The crowds were not there. Instead, the the mall had lots of flags uh, draped, uh, put over it. Uh, Flying, uh, some 2,000 National Guard troops were also sworn in as U.S. Marshals, uh, giving the Guardsmen temporary limited law enforcement authority. An uh, interesting statement was made by the acting Department of Homeland Security Deputy Secretary, indicating this is uh, Ken Guccinelli, who uh, said that the uh, on the program, the story with Martha McCallum, uh, he said yesterday that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi requested National Guards to be sent to D.C., even requesting crew manned machine guns. And, folks, that's quite a sharp contrast, they point out, how she reacted when President Trump wanted to use military to deal with violence uh, from nationwide Black Lives Matter. Uh, saying then at that time, violence has no place and violence must be addressed, she told NPR. But she said there is no reason for the U.S. military, military to be called out for this. Also, Pelosi uh, accused religious Americans who cast votes for Donald Trump or selling out the U.S. over on the issue of abortion. She appeared on a special episode of the former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's podcast, You and Me Both. And during this roughly 30-minute conversation, uh, she, along with uh, Hillary Clinton, reflected on what brought Trump to the White House, casting blame on religious Americans and their opposition to abortion, saying they were willing to sell the whole democracy down the river for that one issue. Also, yesterday... Uh, as uh, President Trump is giving this speech, and uh, through the course of events yesterday, Mitch McConnell also took to the Senate floor. The last time the Senate convened, we had just reclaimed the Capitol from violent criminals who tried to stop Congress from doing our duty. The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. That was Mitch McConnell uh, saying that the people were fed lies and uh, blamed the president for that as well. Well, President Donald Trump uh, did leave uh, the White House this morning. Uh, it took Marine One to uh, joint uh, uh, Andrews Air Force Base and uh, there addressed a crowd as well and had uh, a final statement before going to aboard Air Force One. And again, uh, I want to just in leaving, I want to thank our vice president, Mike Pence and Karen. I want to thank Congress because we really worked well with Congress, uh, at least certain elements of Congress. But we really did. We've gotten so much done that nobody thought would be possible. But I do want to thank Congress. And I want to thank all of the great people of Washington, D.C., all of the people that we worked with to put this miracle together. So have a good life. We will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. He also said we will be back in some form. We don't know what that some form is at this point, but uh, President Donald Trump then boarded uh, Air Force One and uh, took off heading to Florida. Meanwhile, things were uh, happening in Washington, D.C., and after the break, we're going to pick up right there. And to take you in, you'll hear the swearing in of... uh, uh, Joe Biden is president, uh, Kamala Harris is vice president, and also just a word from his speech as well. Back in a minute, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. From the invention of writing, this world has been mostly ruled by kings. Power which concentrates into the hands of one person often rewards his friends, though, and punishes his enemies. The King of England was the most powerful king this planet had seen. So when Americans got the chance, they set up a government as far from a king as possible. A republic where the people are king, ruling through their representatives. How do republics rise and fall? How did 45 countries fall to communist dictators? Are these tactics used in America today? These and other issues are addressed in the book, Who is the King in America? by William Federer. This book provides the reader with an overview of 6,000 years of history and why America is unique. Discover the keys to preserving the freedoms of America's republic. Who is the King in America? It's available for a donation of $18 or more. Ask for it when you call 1-800-729-9829. That's 1-800-729-9829. 
nation transfers power from 45 to 46. It all transpired here earlier today. And uh, Joe Biden took oath of office. Kamala Harris took oath of office. And uh, they began, first of all, with the uh, oath of office for the vice president's uh, vice presidency of the United States. Please raise your right hand. This is Sotomayor. I, Kamala Davy Harris, do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. That I will well and faithfully discharge. That I will well and faithfully discharge. The duties of the office on which I am about to enter. The duties of the office upon which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. So at that point, uh, Kamala Harris, now Vice President Kamala Harris, as she took that oath of office, and uh, that, again, was administered by Supreme Court Justice uh, Sotomayor. Uh, Then, uh, shortly thereafter, it was Joe Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden, then taking the oath of office uh, from, uh, as administered by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability. Will, to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you, God. So help me, God. Congratulations, Mr. President. And there, Joe Biden became the 46th President of the United States after taking that oath of office. Shortly thereafter, uh, he gave his inaugural address. We'll uh, take time here to share just the, the beginning of that address with you here. Chief Justice Roberts, Vice President Harris, Speaker Pelosi, Leader Schumer, Leader McConnell, Vice President Pence, my uh, distinguished guests, my fellow Americans. This is America's day. This is democracy's day. A day of history and hope, of renewal and resolve. Through a crucible for the ages, America has been tested anew, and America has risen to the challenge. Today, we celebrate the triumph, not of a candidate, but of a cause, the cause of democracy. The people, the will of the people has been heard, and the will of the people has been heeded. We've learned again that democracy is precious, democracy is fragile, and at this hour, my friends, democracy has prevailed. So now, on this hallowed ground where just a few days ago, violence sought to shake the Capitol's very foundation, we come together as one nation, under God, indivisible, to carry out the peaceful transfer of power as we have for more than two centuries. As we look ahead in our uniquely American way, restless, bold, optimistic, and set our sights on the nation we know we can be and we must be. He went on with this speech and then had later closed it off by saying, My fellow Americans, I close today where I began with a sacred oath before God and all of you. I give you my word. I will always level with you. I will defend the Constitution. He said, I'll defend our democracy. I'll defend America. And I will give all, all of you... Keep everything you, is how he's put it, I do you in service, thinking not of power, but of possibilities, not of personal interest, but for the public good. And together we shall write an American story of hope, not fear of unity, not division of light, not darkness, a story of 
decency and dignity, love and healing, greatness and goodness. It's interesting, as all of this is unfolding today, and people were assembling at the Capitol, that NARAL Pro-Choice America sent out a uh, an email blast saying there are big plans for reproductive freedom, saying this, with our new president and vice president sworn in, our newly elected Democratic majority in the Senate back in session, and a pro-choice majority in the House, our movement for reproductive freedom is poised to make 2021 our year. Now, it was interesting that Pelosi and Clinton talked about the, the matter of abortion being what was driving people, but folks, this is what is is driving those who were very much in opposition to President Trump, the word abortion. Uh, Here it is uh, from their press release today or from their email alert today. We're asking the Biden-Harris administration to expand access to reproductive health care by removing harmful and medically unnecessary restrictions on medication abortion care during COVID-19 to initiate a comprehensive FDA review of medication abortion abortion, a safe, effective, FDA-approved option for ending an early pregnancy. It's not safe for the baby, folks. There's always a fatality. So that people's access to care reflects science, not politics. Uh, Science says life begins at conception, by the way. That's what true science says. Thirdly, to rescind Trump's executive actions limiting access to care, including the dangerous global gag rule, the domestic gag rule, and attacks on contraceptive coverage. Fourth, ensure that the president's budget advances reproductive freedom and excludes discriminatory restrictions on abortion coverage. And then finally, to nominate and appoint judges and executive branch officials with positive records on reproductive freedom, health, rights, and justice. Now is our time to be bold and take action. We have a movement of millions, the support of 7 in 10 Americans who believe in reproductive freedom. I don't believe those numbers. And Democrats in control of both chambers of Congress and the White House. Well, NARAL, Pro-Choice America speaking up uh, here today with uh, their uh, push for the Biden-Harris administration now to expand what they call reproductive freedom. One other thing I'd like to share with you before we open the phone lines, and it was uh, a note that came out from Family Policy Alliance that I believe is appropriate. I'm going to just read an excerpt from this here today, and I've uh, shortened things down in order to give you opportunity to have some time on the phones as well. But uh, they had three aspects of I Am Resolved, and I'd like to hear... Uh, have you hear what uh, they had put out in their release that came out uh, early this morning. Family Policy Alliance says, number one, I'm resolved to be hopeful, not because of who sits in the White House, but because of who sits on the throne of heaven. All governing authorities on earth are subject to our God as the governing authority. If I place my hope in any political leader of any party, I will always be disappointed. If I place my hope in Christ alone, I will never be disappointed. Secondly, I am resolved to be faithful. I think often about the book of Daniel. Daniel is a beautiful example of a faithful servant of God who obeyed every command of his governing authority, the king, except one command. In other words, he rendered unto Caesar everything that was Caesar's, but when Caesar tried to take what was God's, Daniel had no choice except to disobey Caesar in order to obey God. And God blessed him and cared for him. And then thirdly, I am resolved to be prayerful. God's word commands us to pray for those who have governing authority over us. On this, his word is clear. So today, I will pray for President Biden and his incoming administration, for God's wisdom for them, for their salvation, for their families. I will pray God would work in and through them for his purposes and his glory. I will also pray for President Trump, First Lady Melania, and their family as they make this transition out of the White House, thanking God for all the work protecting the lives of babies in the womb and their mothers and for religious freedom. We know our Pledge of Allegiance says one nation under God, but we'd like to refocus that. It's a time to emphasize the under God part. We are only a nation because of God. We engage in our form of government because of God, and we're all subject to God first in how we engage and behave in our nation and form of government. That from Craig DeRoche. Uh, from the Family Policy Alliance. I'm uh, resolved to be hopeful. I am resolved to be faithful. I am resolved to be prayerful. I'd like to open our phone lines here today on Crosstalk and get your reactions on the day today. The transfer from 45 to 46, our number is 800-733-9829. That's 1-800-733-9829. What is on your heart today as it relates to this transfer of power from 45 
to 46. Again, our number to crosstalk is 800-733-9829. And I, I believe these are good aspects of being resolved to be hopeful. Again, not because of who sits in the White House, but who sits on the throne of heaven and resolve to be faithful, uh, to resolve to be prayerful. And folks, as we have so often said, that to pray for those in authority over us does not uh, exclude somebody because of uh, the letter of their political party behind their name, whether it's a D, an R, a C, an I, or what it might be, a G, uh, but to be prayerful as well. So let's go to the phone lines here today, get your reaction here on this transfer from 45 to 46. Let's begin in Wausau, Wisconsin. Trevor, you're on the air. Hey, um, it makes my stomach turn every time a Democrat... Uh, is pro-abortion but says um, one nation under God. So they're making a oath, putting their oath on the Bible. One of them's the Catholic Bible, but whatever. Um, and they're saying, so help me God. They, they just need to come straight out with it and say, so help me Satan, because that's clearly who they worship. And I, I'm sick of them uh, blaspheming the name of our God and taking his name in vain. And it makes me mad. That's all I wanted to say. Okay, thank you for your thoughts. Trevor, Jeff, and Jefferson, you're on the air. Yeah, I have to agree with your last caller. Uh, they blasphemed against God, but we have a illegitimate government. We don't currently have a government. What we have is a usurper. Okay. And they do not have the consent, at least my consent, of the governor, and he never will. Thank you, Jeff, for your thoughts. Ralph in South Dakota, you're on the air. Yeah, um, just wanted to comment quick on, did you notice how often Biden called it a democracy? Yes. It's a republic, not a democracy. And um, just comment to that he has just been illegitimately elected. And so that's my comment. Okay, thank you, Ralph. We're going next to Ironwood, Michigan. Gary, you're on the air. Hi, Jim. I was listening to your program and... I found it hard to believe that there could be so many lies in such a short a time with with Biden. You know, it's just it's almost like they scripted it. You know what I mean? Okay. Thank and, you. And uh, terrorist, she's a terrorist. Now she's probably going to be promoted to president when Biden gets found out. Well, yeah, and that uh, the jury is sure out on on what's going to be happening there, Gary. But uh, thank you so much for your call here today on Crosstalk and uh, taking your thoughts. Our number is eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine. That's one eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine. We're just seconds from our break, so rather than interrupt a caller, we're going to uh, take our break and uh, then pick up with uh, calls again. Uh, we do know that uh, after the uh, the ceremony at the Capitol that uh, President Biden did go to the White House then where there were a series of executive orders to be signed. And uh, we've uh, already foreshadowed uh, here in previous broadcasts what those uh, those executive orders would uh, be doing. Uh, we'll be delving more into those here in uh, the next day and two, or two here in Crosstalk. But uh, today, want to give you this opportunity to share what's on your heart as this nation transfers power from 45 to 46. We'll be right back. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Well, it looks like we're just hours from a new administration, the Biden administration. What can we expect? Well, we don't have to guess. Secular Democrats have already put out a report, 25 pages. Not very long. But what do they cite as their main target in a Biden administration? Conservative people of faith. They openly talk about using a Biden administration to decide who is a legitimate nonprofit church and who is not. And how will they decide that? Based on whether or not you teach a Judeo-Christian worldview in the area of public policy. In fact, the report says they do not want Joe Biden or any of his administration representatives using the term in God we trust or Judeo-Christian. My friends... We're in perilous times, as the Bible forewarned.
You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America as a nation transfers power from 45 to 46. Actually, folks, it's still we the people, is it not? Or that's what it's supposed to be? Uh, let's uh, pick up with uh, more phone calls here today on Crosstalk. Uh, Courtney in Miami, Florida. Good afternoon, Courtney. God bless all you saints. Remember one thing in the Bible. When I pray, I always ask God, save who you will, Lord. So I just put it like this. All of them taking them oaths today with their hands on the Bible and using God's name, God said one thing, God is not mocked. And saints, stay in your word, watch your children. They want to, bo- it, it, it sickened me. I'm going to say the truth. I'm a veteran, and I never thought I'd see, see this happen. Now I'm in the army of the Lord, and I'm not going to be afraid or ashamed. God bless you all. God bless you, too, Courtney. Thank you for calling. Rob in Pennsylvania, you're on the air. Yeah, hi. I just want to say I think uh, today was a, a great day for the nation. We had a smooth transition of power with no insurrection, and uh, I'm just looking forward for the next four years, and I uh, just pray for our country. Thank you, Rob. Uh, we've got uh, David in Kentucky. You're on the air. Uh, yes, Jim. Thank you for taking my call, and I'll try to be brief. If I may compare our President Trump, to uh, and and to, to perhaps a type and a shadow of John the Baptist. Uh, and if I may mention, Jim, President Trump was not my first choice uh, five years ago when he announced running for president. Uh, but I am sure uh, 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 thankful and grateful the Lord put him where he did for four years. Perhaps uh, he finished everything the Lord wanted him to do in those four years. And prophetically, I would think the main thing is moving our embassy to and, and recognizing Jerusalem. Uh, having said that, if he did everything the Lord needed him to do, as a comparison to John the Baptist, John the Baptist uh, sent his own disciples to Jesus and even said of himself, I must decrease and he must increase. And perhaps the president did did everything the Lord needed and wanted him to do at this time. And now, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, the way I feel in my heart, uh, 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 our President Trump uh, must decrease, and the Lord will show his mighty hand, uh, I, I believe, in the near future uh, by allowing sin to take its course for a while, uh, you know, in, in the in the large mm-hmm. arena of things. I hope I said that properly. Thank you, David. I appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts on, on the issue here today. Uh, Mike in Marshfield, you're on the air. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. I'd just like to say, you know, I'll pray for Joe Biden like the the Bible tells me to do and trust God with that, but I can't accept him or support him in his the ungodly things that he wants to do. And I'll just trust God in prayer for, for changes there. Okay, that's what I wanted to say. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Mike. Wanda, Chattanooga, Tennessee, you're on the air. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to say that in addition to the abortion and family issues of, that Biden has expressed, I am very concerned about that massive uh, crusade of people coming across the border or heading that way, we can't afford to support them and give them free food, health care, and education, and everything else, and then all this uh, money being spent on the uh, vaccines and everything. And we just can't afford what uh, Biden wants to spend, and I, I would just like to stop it, but I can't. <laughs> okay. Well, certainly uh, reach out to your your congressmen and senators in that regard, uh, because uh, immigration reform is going to be on the table, and uh, some of that's being done by executive order. Others of that will have to be handled legislatively. Uh, We uh, do have an invite out to uh, uh, the Center for Immigration Studies to do a full program on just immigration-related issues, and uh, trusting that will come together. Thank you, Wanda. Uh, Aaron is calling from Kentucky. You're on the air, Aaron. Yes, thank you for taking my call. just uh, after seeing Biden get inaugurated today as the 46th president, uh, I don't agree with a lot that he's probably going to try to put into place, and I didn't agree with a lot of things Donald Trump did, to be honest with you. Um, but I know the Bible says in First Timothy chapter 2 to pray and make intercession and even give thanks for kings and authorities. And uh, it doesn't say whether or not I like him. It doesn't say what kind of king or authority he is. Mm-hmm. This is to pray and make intercession for him. And because if my sins lined up with his, it were equal in front of the cross. And God wants to save Biden just as much as he wanted to save me. So uh, to believers everywhere that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, pray for this man. And let's pray God saves his soul. 
Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Aaron. Elaine in Oconomowoc, you're on the air. Hi, Jim. I just wanted to tell people to guard their hearts because um, I was very upset with the way the left treated Trump all these four years, and it made me kind of an angry, disagreeable person. And then uh, I had to forgive them because they, they just don't know what they're doing. And I had to just concentrate on the word, and um, I'm a better person for that. And uh, hopefully, hopefully the Lord will help me to think straight in the future. Thank you for your call. Uh, Kevin in South Dakota, you're on the air. Yes, I just have to say I just appreciate all the callers and their thoughts and prayers and just the concerns, but also what David had to say, uh, plus all of the, all the callers, but what David had to say, I believe in my heart, is just so true that the Lord's been dealing with me on my perspective, not my opinion, my perspective. God doesn't have any opinions. He has His truth and His word, but we have our perspective. And so, as David was alluding to, uh, we need to look past the here and now and see the there and then that God has a plan for Mr. Trump. He's used him and for this country, and as he said, as sin continues to abound, and the lawless comes forward, uh, it's all part of God's purpose and plan. So I'm just grateful for, for Mr. Trump, his faithfulness, and his love for this country, and for, as I believe, he's come to love the Lord. So that's all I had to say. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, let's see, Frank in Santa Fe, you're on the air. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Biden is getting a little bit of a a raw deal right now. You got to give them a chance, uh, you know. And I hope, you know, sir, that uh, you know, I'm an open-minded. I'm a Catholic over here in the Southwest. Mm-hmm. I just hope it's not anti-Catholicism. You know, he's a Catholic. He's a good man. He mm-hmm. went to mass today. Well, he, I believe his, he did that. I believe his heart's in. I believe his heart's in the right place. Okay, so so yeah. his heart's in the right place. So, so killing the life of the unborn—that's acceptable. That's oh, that's no, biblical. Uh, no. He's. You know, when people say he's pro-choice, he's not pro-abortion. We want want alternatives. You know what? Let me just say this, Frank, because uh, the time is, we're just seconds away from ending, but but indeed to be pro-choice is indeed pro-abortion. President Trump had put many roadblocks into uh, stop abortions from taking place. Those are all being lifted. The abortions will increase, uh, including that now of giving international money, uh, er, breaking the Mexico City policy, giving international money for abortion to take place and also uh, seeking to do away with the Hyde Amendment. Plus, not only that, but signing an executive order that is going to allow for boys who wish to identify as girls into the girls' restrooms. The Bible says God made male and female. Think about that. Our time is gone. Thanks for joining us on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.